0: Book 17. Soon as the dawn shone forth, rose-fingered at earliest daybreak, straightway under his feet then fastened his beautiful sandals, noble Telemachus, much-loved scion of godlike Odysseus. Then he took up a powerful spear which fitted his hand-grip. He set out for the city and spoke these words to the swineherd. Papa, at once I will go to the city in order that mother see me For I do not think she ever will bring to a stop her bitter and loathsome wailing and tearful lamentation, not till she can behold me in person. But thus do I bid you, lead this miserable stranger along to the city, that he may beg for his dinner, and there whoever may want to will give him bread and a cupful of wine. There is no way I can put up with every man that I meet, such pains in my heart I am feeling." And if the stranger becomes quite furious, that will be even worse for himself. As for me, plain truth is what I prefer saying. Speaking to him then answered Odysseus of many devices, Friend, I do not myself have any desire to be kept here. Yes, for a beggar a city is better by far than the country when he begs for his meal, and whoever may want to will give me. For no longer am I of the age to remain in the farmyard, so as to follow a master's behest in all that he orders. You go on. This man you are bidding will give me his guidance straightway when I am warm from the fire and the heat of the sunshine. For these clothes I am wearing are dreadfully vile, and I fear lest frost of the dawn overcome me. You say it is far to the city. So he spoke, and Telemachus went straight out through the farmyard. "'striding on swift feet forward, and nourishing bane for the suitors. "'Then, when he had arrived in the house well built as a dwelling, "'putting his spear down there, he leaned it against a tall pillar. "'Then he himself went into the palace and crossed the stone threshold. First by far to observe him there was the nurse Eurycleia, "'while she was spreading the fleeces upon the elaborate armchairs.' Starting to weep, she ran straight up to him then, and around her gathered the other maid servants of steadfast hearted Odysseus, giving affectionate welcome by kissing his head and his shoulders. Prudent Penelope then came down from her upstairs chamber. Artemis now she resembled, or Aphrodite the golden. Then, in her arms, embracing her dear son, she began weeping, gave him a kiss on his head and on both of his beautiful bright eyes. Sorrowing then she spoke, and in these winged words she addressed him. You have arrived, sweet light, dear Telemachus. Never again I thought I would see you, once you had gone in the galley to Pylos, leaving in secret, against my will, to seek news of your father. But come, tell it to me, however it came to your notice. Thoughtful Telemachus then spoke out to her, giving an answer. Mother of mine, do not stir lamentation in me, nor arouse my heart and my breast, since I have escaped from a sheer destruction. But now, when you have bathed and have put clean clothes on your body, going upstairs to your chamber, along with your women attendants, all of the gods then promise that hecatombs, full and effective, you will devote them, if somehow Zeus should accomplish requital. Now I will go to the place of assembly, so I may invite that stranger, the man who came in my company hither from Pylos. I sent him in advance, and along with my godlike comrades, told Peirios to take him ahead on up to the palace, treat him with kindly affection and honor, till I could arrive here. So he spoke, and in her was the word unwinged for an answer. But then, when she had bathed and had put clean clothes on her body... All of the gods she promised, that hecatombs full and effective, she would devote them, if somehow Zeus would accomplish requital. Then did Telemachus start on his way, on out through the palace, holding a spear, and together with him went two of his swift hounds. Marvelous then was the grace poured down over him by Athena. All of the people were gazing in wonder at him as he came on. Then the presumptuous suitors at once came thronging about him— "'speaking in fine, smooth words, but at heart they plotted him evils. "'He, however, avoided the whole large throng of the suitors. "'But where Mentor was sitting, and Antiphus and Halitherses, "'who from the very beginning had been his father's companions, "'there he went and sat down. "'They asked him for all of the details. "'Close to their side now approached Peiraeus, renowned as a spearman, bringing the stranger along through the town to the place of assembly. Nor did Telemachus turn from the stranger for long, but stood near him. It was Pyraios, then, who first said a word to address him. Urge your women, Telemachus, quickly to come to my dwelling, so I can send to you here those gifts Menelaus presented. Thoughtful Telemachus then spoke out to him, giving an answer. We do not know, Peraias the way these matters will happen. If the presumptuous suitors who stay in the palace should ever kill me in secret and then share out all the goods of my fathers, I want you, much rather than those, to possess and enjoy them. If it is I, however, who breed for them death and destruction, happily bring them to me in the palace, and I will be happy. He spoke. Into the house he led the long-suffering stranger— Soon as the two had arrived in the house well built as a dwelling, first having laid their mantles aside on benches and armchairs, they stepped into the well-polished tubs and were given a washing. When maid servants had bathed them and rubbed them with oil of the olive, they threw garments about the two men, wool mantles and tunics. They stepped out of the basins and took their seats on the benches. Hand-washing water, a maid then carried to them in a lovely gold-wrought pitcher, and over a basin of silver she poured it, so they could wash. Nearby she set out a well-polished table. Carrying food, the revered housekeeper approached them, and set it close to them, many a dish she gladly supplied from her storage. Opposite him, by the hall's roof pillar, his mother was sitting. Back in her seat she reclined, as she turned fine yarn on a distaff they stretched forth eager hands to partake of the food lying ready. When they had quite satisfied their appetites, drinking and eating, speaking among them opened Penelope, thoughtful and prudent. Now to my upstairs chamber, Telemachus, I will be going. There I will lie on the bed that has been an occasion for weeping, always stained with the tears I shed, from the time that Odysseus parted with Atreus Scions to Ilion, You were not even willing, before the presumptuous suitors had entered the palace, clearly to tell me the news of your father's return, if you heard some. Thoughtful Telemachus then spoke out to her, giving an answer. Certainly, mother, the tale I will tell you fully and truly. We first journeyed to Pylos, to Nestor, the shepherd of people. He, in his high-raised palace, received me kindly and treated me with a gentle regard, As a father would welcome his own son, newly arrived from a long, hard journey abroad, so did he then treat me with gentle affection, along with his glorious children. But as to steadfast-hearted Odysseus, he said he had never heard of him, either as living or dying, from any earth-dweller. Onward to Atreus' son Menelaus, renowned as a spearman, he then sent me with horses and chariots, skillfully jointed. Once there I saw Helen of Argos, the woman for whose sake Argives and Trojans endured by the gods' will many afflictions. Straightway then the great crier of war Menelaus inquired of me what need I had had, to have come to divine Lacedaemon. Like I then related to him the whole business, fully and truly. Finally then he addressed me in these words, giving an answer shameful to think what strong-hearted man is the one whose bed they want to be bedded in they themselves being spiritless cowards so when a doe having fawn's new-born, still sucking her sweet milk rolls them to sleep in a thicket the lair of a powerful lion then goes off to the grassy ravines and the spurs of the mountain seeking her forage and then when he comes back into his covert both on the brood and the mother he visits a hideous doomsday So upon these men Odysseus will visit a hideous doomsday. O Zeus, father of all, and Athena as well, and Apollo, would that he might be such as he was when in well-built Lesbos he stood up in a contest and wrestled with Philomelides. Strongly he gave him a fall, so that all the Achaeans exulted. Would that Odysseus, in such a condition, could mix with the suitors. Then they all would become quick-dying and bitterly married." As for the things you inquire and entreat of me, never would I say anything, swerving away from the truth, nor ever deceive you. But whatever the facts, the unerring old man of the sea said, not one word of it all will I hide from you now or conceal it. He saw him on an island, he said, with his dreadful afflictions, there in the house of Calypso, a nymph who keeps him beside her forcibly. He is unable to leave for the land of his father's, Since neither well-oared ships does he have near at hand, nor companions who might serve to convey him across the broad back of the deep sea. So spoke Atreus' son Menelaus, renowned as a spearman. When I had done these things, I departed for home, the immortals gave me a wind, and to my dear fatherland swiftly conveyed me.